0: This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. Our hour of mystery begins with the Crime Club this week. We'll hear their story from April 3rd, 1947, titled The Sun is a Witness. After that, it's Candy Mattson, Yukon 28209, in the Cable Car Case. Her story from July 7th, 1949.
1: I hope I haven't kept you waiting yes this is the crime club I'm the librarian the son is a witness yes we have that crime club story for you come right over <laughs> The window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is The Sun is a Witness by Aaron Mark Stein. A very unusual story of a design for killing that couldn't succeed without murder. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was Tim Mulligan's job as an archaeologist to find out about dead civilizations. And he was finding out about the Anatsazi, the Indian cliff dwellers who inhabited the great canyon walls of the southwest many centuries ago. It was late morning, June 22nd, the second day of summer. And Tim Mulligan was digging carefully in one of the caves high above the canyon floor when George Dillon, the owner of the property... And Tim's benefactor climbed slowly up from the camp cave 30 feet below. He stopped to catch his breath.
2: George! What are you doing up here? I. I. I wanted to see how you're. Getting along, Jim? You shouldn't have done it. You're hard. Where's Tony Blake? Well, he's around somewhere. You're not going to snitch on me, are you, boy? You're his responsibility, Pop. He's your doctor. Yes, but he didn't join the outfit so he can take care of me. Who do you mean? He wants me to take care of him. Oh, that. Yeah. And maybe I will, after he and my niece Marion get married. But right now, it's Indian history that's got all my attention. Oh, yeah. Well, I uh, dug up a grave, George. Anasazi? I think so. I haven't unwrapped the mummy yet. Good. We can do that together. Come on, let's go. Hmm? What's that? The wind. No, Tim. No wind ever made a sound like that. Sounds human. It is human. And it's coming from. George, George, take it easy. In the cave. There's no one in there. The open grave. The Anasazi mummy. Tim! This has got to be a trick. Jim, George! My, my heart! Where's the digitality? I, in the, it's all right. I just lost my breath. Huh? I'll be all right. Are you sure? Yes. Help me down to the camp cave. You bet. You bet. Uh, let me call for Tony first. I feel a lot better with him around. Tony! Tony play hey. I guess it's out of range. Let's go How is he Tony shh, shh, shh. he uh he just fell asleep hmm? uh let's get away from this cave opening. I don't want him disturbed. okay Now, what about that ghost, Tim? Somebody's trying to kill your patient, doctor. Mm Hmm? Do you think he can be scared to death? With his heart, anything can happen. That's what I mean. Where's Marion? Are you kidding? Not this trip. You, Marion, and I are the only ones here with George. The others... Well, that's where she went, to the others at the ranch house. When? This morning, while you were digging for your ghost. She was worried about her brother. Oh. Oh, of course, it's been four days since Fraser went back to the house with Matt Casey to get provisions. I didn't realize... Uh, Now, look. Tim, i got to talk to you about something. Now, yeah. Give up this, per- this crazy project. Give it up. I- it's not doing George any good. His heart can't take it. I'm not his doctor, Tony. And I am. So, what, he won't listen to me as long as you're on the job. He wants to be with you. Don't you understand? Yes, I think I do. He's a fibrillator heart in a very bad shape. And the slightest stimulation... You're not worried about that, Tony, are you? What? You've got an axe of your own to grind. And it's beginning to look like a battle axe. Don't get dirty, Mulligan. I'll try not to. You can't cut me out, so you're trying to move me out. Anything to get George's mind off Indians and onto your sanitarium project. The darn sight more useful than digging for dried-up bones. That depends on how much of a scientist you are. I told you not to get dirty, Mulligan. Stop waving those fists. you will liable to hit yourself in the face. Tim! Tony! George! Come in here, both of you. Uh, I-, I thought you were sleeping. I heard every word you two said out there. When do you think I'm going to die, Tony. If you continue to stay here, George... Well, I'm going to stay here until Timothy finishes what he's doing. Then there's no telling. There's nothing I can do about it. Are you quitting? No, I'll be around if you need me. You shouldn't have been so rough with him, Pop. Tim. You yeah, know, what, George? Tim, do you really think somebody's trying to scare me to death? It's possible. Hmm. That fellow? I I don't know. I'd rather not believe your own doctor's out to kill you. He's the only one here with us, Tim. And if that sound we heard was not a ghost, it's a... rattlesnake. Where? In here someplace. Now stay where you are, George, and don't get excited. I'll, uh, I'll look for it. Wait! Try not to get excited, George, and don't get off that cot.
3: You'll never find it, Tim. It's
2: in this cave, I will. It isn't! What? It's in this wall next to me. Solid rock! And we can hear the rattle. Oh, wait a minute, George. I don't want to believe in ghosts, but nobody can make that sound come out of solid rock. Oh, wait, wait. All right, Pop, it's gone. We can relax. (laughs) Tony's right. This is a bad place for you. I'm not afraid, Timothy. But I am. I'd uh, like to get you back to the ranch house where you might get an even break. I'm not running away. Good for you. I'm taking you away. Now, sit tight. I'll get Tony and we'll load this up into the car. Tim... Does that mean you're giving up your work here? No, indeed, Pop. It means I'm going into another business. Ghost hunting. Well, George, as soon as we get to the ranch house, you start taking things easy. Too. I'll do nothing of the kind, Tony. Say, Tim. Now, How soon do you expect to go back to the camp? Right after we get you, sir. Good. I'll get Matt Casey to go back with you. He knows every inch of that canyon. And if someone's out there playing ghost. Or was. Don't be surprised if it was one of the Indians from the reservation. Is that your theory, Tony? They're very superstitious about their dead being dug up, Tim. Especially if they're going to be used as museum pieces. That's enough of that. Slow down. There's the ranch house. Oh, say, there's, uh. There's Fraser walking away from his car. Honk the horn, Tony. Ah, look who's here. Must have come up just behind me. Is the expedition over temporarily? Uh, give us a hand with the luggage, Fraser. Or your Uncle George anything. Where's the rest of the party? Well, what do you mean? Matt Casey and Marion, of course. Are you trying to kid me? Well, aren't they here? No.
3: <laughs> Some joke,
2: huh? Frazier, Marion left this camp this morning. She was coming to see how you and Matt were getting along. Matt and I? But Matt went back to camp two days ago. He took a truckload of provisions. Are you Sure. Oh, look, Tim, I was here when he left. You smell as though you might be foggy about things. I've had a few drinks, but I know what I'm talking about. I pick up the stuff in town and Matt took it from here. Why didn't you come back with him, Fraser? I took a liking to civilization, Uncle George. So after Matt bounced off, I bounced back to town where the civilization is beautiful and lively. I got back a few minutes ago. You were there for two whole days? I couldn't help it. The attraction was magnetic. Can it be proved, Frazier? Don't be a comedian, Tim. What's mine is mine. What about Marion? I don't know, Tony. Sis might have been here... Say, maybe she hit for town. For some lively civilization? What does well, that mean, Mulligan? Nothing personal, Dr. Blake. Why don't you take care of your patient while I go back to the camp to find out if the spirit is still functioning?
4: Hello? Hello? Anybody here? Somebody here. Oh, Tim!
2: Hello, Mary.
4: Where is everybody? Why didn't Johnson? one.
2: One question at a time, please. I've
4: been running around in circles all day. First the ranch house, nobody there. Then back to this. I,
2: I'm a little winded. Just give me time.
4: Where is everybody?
2: Everybody, but Matt Casey is at the ranch house. Why? They gave up the ghost. Huh? What are you doing up here on top of the canyon wall?
4: Oh, this is going to be a national park someday. Monument to Indian culture. Don't you feel proud of what Uncle George is going to do?
2: I didn't see your car below, Marion.
4: Always stick to the subject. You can't lose that way. My car isn't parked in the canyon. I came up the back way for a change. Mm
2: -hmm. Bet you had a very good reason too.
4: Perfect. I got tired of the canyon road.
2: Of course.
4: Mad Casey must have had the same feeling about it. What? Look down there where my car is parked. His truck's there, too. So? Yes, and it's loaded to the hilt with provisions. I call that being very ruthless. Yeah. All that good food left down there to spoil. And I'm starving. Well,
2: at least you've got a doctor who can feed you vitamins.
4: Funny man. Unless
2: you're a ghost and you don't need vitamins.
4: What does that mean?
2: Haunt me and find out.
4: Are you crazy? Try it.
2: Say, a hi, a hi. Come on, come on. Say it in a very deep voice.
4: You are crazy. As deep
2: as you can make it. A hi Yeah,
4: I've always wondered about you archaeologists. Uh, excuse me, I have a date with a Now, oh, wait a minute. Now, listen, you... Look, what?
2: Flying under that rock.
4: Well, I don't... You must be seeing things.
2: Yes, everything. And it's only the tail of a rattlesnake.
4: Why, well, how wonderful. Another item for your collection? Would you mind
2: if I picked
4: it up? I wouldn't mind if you wore it on your nose.
2: Thanks, I didn't know you cared. See? Eh? It still rattles.
4: Yeah, I know something else that rattles. What? What was that?
2: The ghost. I shook this rattle close to the rock and... Yes, all I've got to do is get this rock out of the way like
4: this. Now? Aha! What's happening there? Aha! A perfect. Chimney
2: right through the canyon wall. Would you like to make a voice test, Marion?
4: Me? No, thank you. I don't like to hear myself talk. Not
2: even in the interest of science?
4: Goodbye, Tim. I'm going home.
2: Oh, wait, wait. I'm going with you. There's so much I'd like to tell your uncle about a hole in the ground.
1: <laughs>
2: Fraser. Uncle George. Say, you had quite an experience up at the camp. Tony was just telling me about the ghost. Yes, and it's occurred to me with Matt Casey missing... Oh, he wouldn't try to kill me, Dr. Blake. I didn't say that he would, George. He's been working for me for 27 years. We're old friends. Frazier, I want you to organize a searching party for Matt. All right, but if you ask me, he's going on a bender. I don't think so. He's done it before. Why, there were times when he'd bust out for a whole week. He never did it when he had a special job to do. He knew we were waiting for those provisions at the camp. Yes, that's right, Frazier. Yes. He knew that I was waiting for something else that was much more important to me. Something else? Yes. Well, you might as well know about it now, Fraser. You too, Tony. I sent Matt Casey back here to type up a new will. Oh? Yep, I've decided to give all this property to the government for a national park. Well, that's nothing new if that's all you've decided. That's all, Fraser. The rest of my property and all my cash go to you and Marion. Uncle George. Yeah? <sighs> nothing. you just a swell guy. I'd better go out and organize that searching party. Yeah. And is for you, Tony? No, sanitarium, huh? Yeah, that's up to Marion. If she wants to set one up for you after I'm dead, she can do it. With my blessing. Marion, still puzzled
4: me. Oh, please, Tim. I'm tired of you being puzzled.
2: Why didn't Matt... Casey, use this road instead of the canyon road.
4: Why, is an archaeologist?
2: Would he have any reason for wanting to be heard but not seen?
4: Oh, dear. Would you have any reason? (laughs) Excuse me. The company I keep.
2: (laughs) All right, Marion, you don't have to talk to me. I don't wear a badge.
4: You don't know how pretty that makes you look. I think I do. By the way, why
2: don't you and Tony get married?
4: There's no hurry.
2: He's broke, isn't he?
4: And a big sanitarium with his name
2: all over it could, uh, solve an ugly problem.
4: Uncle George is Tony's patient.
2: By design.
4: What do you mean by that?
2: You brought Tony out here. I don't
4: suppose I did. That doesn't mean... Now, look here, Mr. Mulligan. I don't like your insinuations. So
2: there's one thing about the great Southwest that always fascinates me. Don't
4: change the subject. Buzzards. What?
2: Over there on that pile of rocks.
4: Well, you're not stopping, are you? Of course.
2: Where there are buzzards, there's death. And where there's death, uh, I'm an archaeologist, remember?
4: Oh, don't be ridiculous. I want to get back to the ranch house. You
2: will. I'll just take the ignition key out to make sure you don't do it without me. Would you like to join this expedition? No. Oh, that's too bad. You don't know how cultural those things can... Allian.
4: What is it, a pioneer? There's
2: a body under those rocks. A human body.
4: What? Timothy Mulligan, if you're kidding me. There's a
2: hand showing. Part of an arm.
4: Good heavens.
2: Looks like a man's.
4: He he must have been caught in a rockfall. Let's dig him out. He he might still be alive. No,
2: no. Not with rigor mortis, Marion. Oh. That's pretty obvious. His fingers. All right, Marion. We'd better start digging. It's going to take a little time. One last rock. Now, come on. Heave. Heave. Don't relax. Keep going. Come on.
4: What? What was that?
2: We'll look later. Let's get this rock off
4: first. Sit down, Tim.
2: Yeah. Maybe you'd better go back to the car. What'd you pick up? This, uh, This roll of film. Must have been spread out under part of that rock. Maybe when the pile hit him, it... Bounced out of his pocket.
4: Oh, you.
2: And when we moved that rock, it snapped back on the roll. You
4: would think that important, wouldn't you? What's a dead body to you?
2: I'm sorry, Marion, but there's nothing we can do for Matt Casey except turn him over, face... up, Oh,
4: no. Uh, Things I don't understand
2: about this. Matt being here... His truck two miles up the road...
4: And an old hand
2: like Matt being caught in a rock... Four. What was he doing in this cage? Oh, Marion, ma'am, oh, no. don't... Don't look. Marion, for Pete's sake, get a grip on yourself. Here, let me take you back look to the car.
4: Alone. you leave me Now, alone. please, listen to me. I've known him practically all my life. He was my uncle's oldest friend.
2: And listen to me in trying to understand what I'm saying.
4: How are we going to tell Uncle George about this? Okay.
2: Marion, Marion. It was no accident. Well, Matt was not killed by a rock fall.
4: What? What did you say? He was murdered. Kim, I've had enough of you now, when listen.
2: you... Were... Matt was clubbed to death and brought here.
4: I don't want to hear anymore.
2: Then look. He was lying in the sand, face down. His face was covered with blood. Oh. Dried blood. But the sand is clean. Kim. You see what I mean?
4: Please Take me back to the ranch house. I'm afraid I'm going to be very sick.
2: Is that you, Fraser? No, George. It's Marion and Tim. Marion. Marion, darling, where are you been? Not now,
4: Tony. We've got to talk to Uncle George. What's the
2: matter? I thought it might be Fraser. You went out to organize a searching party for Matt Casey.
4: Oh... Well...
2: What is it, Marion?
4: Tim, maybe you better do the talking. I don't feel up to it. What's wrong?
2: Where's Matt? I'll tell you, George, but I want you to sit down, take it easy. I'll do nothing of the kind. Where's Matt? I say nothing until you sit down. He... He's dead, isn't he? Oh, my Lord. Matt. Tony. It's all right, Tim. I'll know what to do. Where'd you find him? Under a rock fall on the county road. Matt. Under a rock fall? Did you bring him back with you? No.
4: We left him there. i had have to notify the sheriff. Sheriff? He was murdered, <laughs> Uncle George. Holy evidence is there. We didn't want to disturb a thing. Murdered? Matt, Where
2: is it? In the bottle in the dresser in George's room. Right. Quick. Marion, get a glass of water in a
0: spoon. George. Ah, George, it's going to be all right. It'll be all right.
2: Can you hear, George? Tim, Marion, here, Tommy. Anything I can do? Yes, get Marion to drink with that water. Marion!
4: Oh, the cupboard door was stuck. I couldn't get Here, it. Here,
2: give me that spoon. That's the worst attack I've ever seen have. Now, if I can get, get him to swallow this stuff.
4: Oh, he's spitting it out.
2: we oh, have got to get it down. Marion, hold his head back. No, I get hold it back, up. I tell I'll tell you. Now, Tim, I want you to force his jaws apart I'll right. keep his mouth open. i oh. have got to get this stuff down. There's no time to lose.
5: That's
2: done. Now I'll make sure. The water will wash it. Push it down. There. There. Oh, now, let him relax. Here, Tim, take this bottle. Hmm. I'm going to check his pulse. Oh,
4: it's wrong! But the digitalis isn't working. You, Never acted like that after taking a minute. George, Uncle George, please. It's
2: all over, Marion. He's dead.
4: I didn't think, Tony. I, I just thought without thinking. Marion,
2: there's no use blaming yourself anymore. It was bound to happen sooner or later. I
4: didn't have to throw it at him. I, I didn't have to yell murder.
2: Ah, here. Here you are. Uh, take this pill. What is it? A sedative. No, ah, no, I... Come on, I, come on, be good to yourself. You'll sleep for a few hours.
4: I, who's that?
2: I don't know. Now, look, dear, you. you're as jumpy as a bee. Now, take this. Tony! Uh-oh. Oh, oh, Fraser. Come outside for a few minutes. I want to talk to you. All right. Hey, what's the matter with you, Marianne? You've been crying.
4: Uncle George is dead. What? He had a heart attack. <laughs> and it was my fault. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dead. Tim and I found Matt Casey's body oh. under a rock wall on the county road. It looked like murder, and I... Like oh, a fool. Like a stupid, hysterical fool. Like I couldn't give it to myself.
2: I, I wasn't going to tell him. I was going to let you, Tony. Break it to him. Easy. What do you mean? Well, we found Matt's body. It was wrapped up in a blanket. I guess Tim must have done that to keep the buzzards off.
4: But did you tell the sheriff?
2: No, a couple of the men took the body to the mortician in town. We thought... Tony, how quick did he go? Uncle George. Very sure, quick, Frazier. Even the digitalis couldn't help him. It couldn't help Nothing him. Nothing could, Frazier, when it's not used. Oh,
4: what do you mean, Tim? Use the
2: bottle with a digitalis uh, label on it. I want you to taste its contents, Dr. Blake. What are you trying to say? I'm not trying. Go ahead, taste it. I put that label on there myself. I'm sure you did. And I'm sure you meant to do the right thing. Well, what does it taste like? Quinidine sulfate. Yes, that's what I thought. A powerful heart stimulant. When that gets into a fibrillator heart, it becomes a killer. Tim! I'm afraid so, Marion.
4: No, Uncle George was not murdered. I'll never believe it. That
2: bottle proves it, whether you believe it or not. How about it, Tony? Ah. Uh don't understand. Did you have quinidine sulfate in your collection of bottles? Yes, but that doesn't mean that I... Now, look here, Tim. I'm the only doctor for miles around. I keep a lot of medicines for emergency purposes. Of course, Can't you two fight this out some other time and some other Now, place? wait a minute, Frazier. I don't want any more talk. Not right now, anyway. Okay. I'll say no more until the sheriff gets here. I'll send for him myself. Good, good. Later. I think Marion and I should have some time to ourselves, don't you? Before Uncle George becomes Exhibit A? Well, that's your privilege. Well, if anyone should want me, I'll be in my room... wondering about things. Oh, on, Marion.
4: You've been in here so long, I thought you'd died. No mm, such luck. What are you doing? I'm,
2: uh, developing... What? Not my muscles, honey.
4: Not your personality, either.
2: Touche. Did uh, Frazier send for the sheriff?
4: I don't know. He's been hibernating in the study all afternoon. Now, look, Tim. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to believe a lot of things you've said about murder.
2: That's so kind of you. But
4: is it going to do anybody any good to make a fuss about it?
2: Won't do the killer any good. Be
4: reasonable. Frazier and I are very rich now. And and I'm very much in love with Tony.
2: I'm a stubborn cuss, Marion, when I'm right. And you haven't got enough money to make me think wrong.
4: How much do you want?
2: Nothing. Excuse me, Marion. I want to switch on the lights.
4: Suppose I were to kill you.
2: Huh? Oh, in that case, I'd be dead.
4: No one would ever know. Brazier and Tony wouldn't tell. Think about it, Tim.
2: Mm Hmm. This is the stuff. Miriam, yeah, Marion.
4: you disappear. It can be done, Timothy. There's a lot of open land out here. Places people don't go to.
2: Think of the place you'd go to, Marian. Mere, mere. Yeah, yeah. I want to show you something. Tim! Now listen, Marian. I've got a lot of friends in New York, and they know where I am, and if they don't hear from me, they're going to wander and ask a lot of questions. So put down that gun and come over here. I'm not
4: interested in a strip of film.
2: But you should be. This is the film we uh, found next to Matt's body. And it tells an amazing story. What? Yeah. Uh, do you see those four dark streaks on the negative?
4: Well, what about them?
2: Uh, they all start at one point and then spread like a fan. The first one is short. The second one's a little longer. The third one is the longest. And the fourth one is shorter.
4: So what does it prove? It
2: proves, Marion, that the sun is a witness. And right here on this negative, it's pointing four fingers at a murderer. What? Now, hold oh, that gun. Oh, no. Yeah. A twist of the wrist, and we're equals again. Shall we go now? I'd like to see the other members of your family, present and future. <laughs> You'll never convince me, Mulligan, that four streaks on a negative mean murder. How about letting me try, Tony? You also said, Tim, that you know who killed Matt Casey. Oh, I did say that, didn't I, Fraser? Yes. I'll go a step further. The person who killed Matt also killed George.
4: I've had enough of this. I want you to get out of here, Tim.
2: In time. But whether you listen to me or not doesn't matter. I know you'll listen to the sheriff. All right, Tim. Prove your sunstreak theory. Thank you, Doctor. Well, Marion and I found this film next to Matt's body. He was lying at the entrance to a cave, and the rocks were piled high. So? No sun or light flooded that cave. The film wasn't ruined, but somehow one ray of sun got through between the rocks and left these marks on the film. But where's the murderer, Tim? In this room, Fraser. Today is the 22nd of June. Yesterday was the first day of summer, the longest day of the year. Do you see now what these streaks mean?
4: That's still a lot of nonsense. The to day me. before
2: yesterday was shorter. And the day before that still shorter. The position of the sun changes every day. As the days get longer, the sun rises higher. Anybody want to question that fact? Oh, I see what you mean, Tim. According to that evidence, Matt was killed four days ago. Yes, Tony. He didn't return to camp two days ago, as Fraser told us. <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> what? What's the use? Who's going to be found out sooner or later? Nobody believed Tony would deliberately give Uncle George the wrong medicine.
4: Fraser.
2: I didn't plan it that way when I started. I, I, I was going to frighten him to death, but it didn't work, so I came back here and switched labels on the bottles. The, the medicines looked alike, the same color. I would have done anything then to get Uncle George out of the way. Why, Fraser? Well, well up at the camp, I, I overheard him talking to Mad Casey about a new will. Yes? I, I didn't know what was going into it, but I, I was sure he was going to cut me out. he didn't like some of the people I'd been fooling around with in town. So you killed Matt Casey to keep him from bringing back the new will? Yes. But but if I'd only read the thing before I burned it, Uncle George would be alive now. I'd have known. (laughs) Lord, help me. I'd have known. (laughs) That's right, Tim. George told us. This whole estate goes to Marion and Fraser except this property. Yes, the National Park. Fraser, why didn't you fix those bottles after you switched them?
6: I'd have known. He told me and I'd forgotten what I'd done.
4: I was too happy.
2: Too happy.
1: And so closes tonight's Crime Club book, The Sun is a Witness, based on a story by Aaron Mark Stein. Stedman Coles did the radio adaptation... Roger Bauer produced and directed. Raymond Edward Johnson played Tim Mulligan. And Sidney Smith was Tony Blake. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. Good. We have a very exciting story of a boat ride that was planned by death. It's called The Grey Mist Murders by Constance and Gwyneth Little. In the meantime, well, in the meantime, there is a new crime club book available at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. And we'll look for you next week.
2: This program came from New York.
6: This is the world's largest network, the Mutual Broadcasting System.
3: Hello, Yukon 28209. Yes, this is Candy
4: Matson. <laughs>
6: Do you have a little unsolved murder in your home? Got some blackmail you want to unload? Are you the victim of some vulgar extortionist? I know a girl you should meet. She may not be the greatest private eye in the world, so what if it does cost you three or four hundred dollars? She sure is sweet.
3: She's Candy Matson. Like to meet her? Hello. Candy Matson. Well, I wasn't sure when I looked in the mirror this morning. Had a rough night, eh? Oh, there have been rougher ones. Look, voice, before you get caught with my receiver down, who are you and what do you want? As to who I
6: am, you'll find out very shortly. What I want is you.
3: How romantic and over the phone yet. Let me
6: finish. What I want is you to lay off that cable car business.
3: Oh, that. Well, I'm afraid I can't. You see, I was sitting beside him when they discovered his transfer had been punched sort of permanently. (coughs) That's how things happen with me. I get into the craziest routines. You see, I used to be a model. I've been told I have the proper displacement for such a career. But I found there wasn't enough money in it. A girl has to maintain a nice apartment on Telegraph Hill, keep enough clothes to highlight the uh, displacement I mentioned. And also eat, doesn't she? Sure. Though so I turn private eye. You meet a better class of people, mostly named Rigger or Mortis. Now take this cable car deal. It's positively fantastic. But after all, this is radio, isn't it? Like to hear how the whole thing happened? Leave us trip along to Act One. <laughs> I wanted to get downtown that morning, but I couldn't take the F car on Stockton. They were ripping up about 87 streets, which is par for the course. So I walked down Telegraph Hill and up to Mason. That's where the Bay and Powell cable car stopped.
0: All aboard! Come on, Lana, show that shapely ankle. We gotta make the Fairmont by Whitson Ties.
3: The car was loaded, and so was the character next to me. I tried to budge into the seat between him and the fisherman's wharf, Dowager, but I couldn't quite make it. I'd forgotten my shoehorn. Say, pardon me, but would you mind reading your Wall Street Journal over that away way a bit? I'd like to sit in here.
0: Oh, if you insist.
3: A night of old. He budged his hips a quarter of an inch, and I slipped in, ready for my rocket ride over the hill and down into town. The trip, as usual, was uneventful. Three smashed fenders and several choice words I'd never heard before. But I wrote them down. By the time our prairie schooner reached the turntable at Market Street, the crowd in the car had thinned out. But uh, Buster was still beside me, his head buried in common and preferred. Market Street! I started to get down. Hey, lady, take your boyfriend with you. We're heading back up the hill. Boyfriend? I'll sue. He looks like the advance man for Lewis and Clark. How do you like that? He fell asleep over his stocks and bonds. I looked again. Hipsy wasn't asleep. <laughs> Hipsy was stone cold dead on market. What a twist. I, who always went on the prowl for a who-done-it, get one literally tossed into my lap. He just hadn't gone out of this world serene-like. Oh, no. There was a steady slurp slurp of blood trickling down his vest just north by northeast of the equator. After a half-hour wait full of questioning by homicide leg men, I knew my morning shopping tour was rained out. And after all, I was only going to buy an emerald clip to match the glint in my eye. Well, that would have to wait. I knew the next step. I grabbed a cab home. I wasn't long in waiting. Right on cue. And if it was the right cue, it would be Lieutenant Ray Mallard from headquarters daintily pressing his cuticles against my apartment buzzer. I was right. What? I've been expecting you. Come on in, Mellard.
0: You've been expecting me? Why,
3: Candy? Naive little rover boy, you. Have a drink?
0: No, no, I'm not in the mood. Uh, Just make it a double.
3: Sit down, Mellard. Let's be civilized. Take off your hat.
0: It is off. Oh? (laughs) Candy, for once I'm puzzled.
3: You're just saying
0: that. Yeah, because it's true. I've checked and rechecked. No matter how many loose ends I tie together, I still get no connection between you and Dwight Ellsworth.
3: Dwight who's worth?
0: Ellsworth. Your extremely limp traveling companion on the cable this morning.
3: Mallard, I can give you an angle on that.
0: Yeah? Yeah.
3: The angle being that I didn't know him from Adam. Level? Straight. Oh, look, honeypot, this mediocre dialogue is getting us nowhere. What did you haul your size 11s in here for?
0: Oh, frankly, I don't know. Uh, here, fill it up, will you?
3: Well, you're not just going around in circles, Mallard. You're going around in doubles.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I've said before, Candy, you've got a pretty view from here.
3: Oh? Wait till I turn around.
0: I mean from your window. Look at that ship down there, just docking.
3: Hmm? Where?
0: Down there. There's romance for you. Probably just in from the Far East. Here's your drink. Oh, thanks.
3: You know, it is sort of romantic. Don't you think it'd be fun to jump on a tramp like that and whisk off to the South Seas? Hmm? On a honeymoon? No. That's what I thought. South Sea. Mallard.
0: Don't call me Mallard.
3: Why not? We're just playing for ducks, aren't we?
0: Oh, uh, very crisp. Playing for ducks. No candy, we aren't. Not in this case. We've got a dead man in our hands. Rudy Toot Toot shot right through the heart. And you were sitting next to him.
3: Sure, sure. Go on now. Get out of here. You heard me. Lift your hindquarters and get back to headquarters.
0: Andy, I don't like that look. You've got something on your mind. Yeah,
3: yeah, but you wouldn't recognize it if I told you about it.
0: Ah, One word of warning. Don't dabble. You're in deep enough. Got it?
3: Got it. Here's your hat. Grab it. So long, Mallard. See you around a jailhouse sometime. Uh Bye, T'was then I smelled the big, fat sea. That great, big, kind of attractive, Mallard. He missed the boat. Oh, he saw it, but he missed it. It was that ship he saw docking. That was the first time I came out of the dark since my Tunerville ride down the hill in the morning. I needed help, so I called an old friend of mine, if you can call that help. Rembrandt Watson was his name. He was a photographer and other things. He spent most of his life in the dark room dabbling with bottles. His negatives and prints were sharp. His thought processes not quite... But he'd given me assistance in the past, so I called him.
5: Rembrandt Watson speaking. Photography, portraits, and
3: camera work. Yes, Rembrandt, I know. Also oh.
5: available for gardening, janitorial service, and babysitting. Rembrandt, it's candy. Especially at over twenty one. Who? Candy?
3: Now you're tuned in. How oh,
5: dare you, baggage. I was experimenting with a new type of formula. Ninety
3: proof for 100. a hundred.
5: A hundred candy. It works beautifully. There's a delightful little pixie in a pink ballet skirt in my living room.
3: Well, leave her there and get over here immediately to my place. Take a cab. I'll pay for I'd it. I'd
5: much rather have a handsome carriage with a brace of chestnuts. You've got
3: them in your head. Now, just do as I say and get over here. <laughs> Float in, Rembrandt. Dadfrey, where's the man to
5: take me cloak, gloves, and topper?
3: You're wearing a sport coat and slacks, and you know I have no man. And
5: therein lies your basic trouble, my dear. You have no man. Now,
3: Rembrandt. Every
5: man should have a woman. Every woman should have a man. It's the incontrovertible law of the universe. Candy, you should have a man. You. Pshaw. Sure, I'm no longer a man.
3: I'm a sprite, transcending the world. Well, and... stop transcending a moment and come down to Earth. We've got a job to do. How
5: poetic, how idyllic. We've got a job to do. Uh, for money?
3: Eventually.
5: Oh, one of those. Very well, my dear, bring me up to date.
3: Well, I, I don't really know if I can or not.
5: Good. Then I shall leave and return to my formula.
3: Oh, no. What I mean is the whole story is so fantastic you'd never believe it. I
5: might. Try me, Candy.
3: Well, I get on a cable car and sit next to a character reading the Wall Street Journal. A
5: strange coupling. A cable car and the Wall Street Journal.
3: Yeah. And when we get to the end of the line, my friend next to me is dead.
5: Probably the ride down the hill frightened him to
3: death. Uh-uh. He looked like a used punchboard. He had a neat little bullet hole through his heart.
5: Candy, my little ballerina friend in the pink skirt is more believable than what you just told me.
3: I told you it was fantastic, but none of how it happened. Now, sooner or later, Mallard is going to come out of his fog. And when he does, I'm going to be out of a fee. A fee that so far doesn't exist, my pretty. It will, if my hunch is right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go down to the Chronicle and get all the back files you can on Southern Island Steamship Company. The
5: Chronicle? A pleasure. I have a few questionable companions there who indulge in formulas.
3: Stay away from those companions and just do as I ask.
5: Very well, my dove. I go, but... Entirely against my will. And where will you be?
3: Around town, Rembrandt. I've got to do some legwork.
5: Let me assure you, Candy, you have just the right equipment for it, too. Mm. What a
3: joint. I'll bet they mount slit gullets on the walls instead of deer heads. Well, come on, Candy. Get your tools out and screw up your courage.
6: Yeah, miss, what'll it be?
3: Uh, nothing right at the moment except information.
6: Information, water, both free. What do you want to know?
3: Well, I'm, I'm looking for the purser off of Dwight Sonia. I hear he does his shore duty in here. Uh,
6: that's right. Name Campbell. That head on the table over there belongs to him.
3: Mm, thanks. Hello, sailor. Hey, Campbell. Wake up.
6: Uh, oh, leave me alone. Come
3: on, snap out of it.
6: Uh, who are you? What do you want?
3: My name is Candy Matson. I want to ask a question.
6: Oh, I'm only drinking. Go no away.
3: Not until I find out what I want to know. Dwight Ellsworth was murdered this morning. For, what? I thought that would bring you to.
6: Uh, well, that's the nicest news I've heard since V.J. Day. What do you want to know?
3: Where does his brother live?
6: That stooge. He's got about as much spine as a water eel.
3: Never mind. I want to find him. He seems to keep his whereabouts as secret as an atomic stockpile.
6: Uh, the whole family ought to be knocked off. Uh, he lives out in Seacliff, 25 Dashell Road.
3: Good. A bartender, buy my friend a little reward. And one for yourself, too. <laughs> Oh, so far, so good. Oh, how did I know about Campbell, the purser? Well, you see, I have quite a few friends, most of whom my pal Mallard doesn't approve. So I grabbed a cab and navigated the driver out toward Seacliff. It was so foggy I couldn't see the meter. But I paid him anyway, gave him a neutral tip, and dismissed him. There it was, 25 Dashiell Road. An austere looking cabana, one that dared you to ring the front doorbell. I dared. I had the awful feeling I should have been around at the side door delivering hand laundry. Good evening. Mm -hmm. Well, except for the fog, yes. Uh, Is Mr. Ellsworth in? Yes, he is. But I'm afraid I must ask you to leave. There has been a death in the family. I know. That's why I'm here. Come in, please. Thank you. Walk this way, please. Oh, I'm afraid I, I couldn't even if I lived to be a hundred.
4: Mind your tongue, young lady.
3: You're in the house of an Ellsworth. Oh, oity-toity, the old babe had delusions of grandeur. Well, no need to get uppity with me. I've mingled with royalty. I once played a bit part in a Rita Hayworth picture. But this old gal was really something. She couldn't have been more than 45, yet looked like something out of the barracks of Wimpole Street. She ushered me into a large-ceilinged living room, and there on the divan was my boy. His head lowered into his hands and, quite obviously, touched. Quite ob. Roger, this young lady is here to see you. I don't believe you mentioned your name. Candy Matson.
6: Uh, Matson, you in shipping too?
3: Mm, of
0: a sort. Oh, uh, this is my wife, Miss Matson. You'll pardon me if I don't seem hospitable, but my brother was murdered
3: this morning. I know. I was sitting next to him when it happened. You were? Don't
4: talk to her, Roger. I don't trust her. This whole thing is a threat of some kind. No,
3: it's not a threat. It's a business proposition. I'll come right to the point. You see, I'm a private detective. Oh, one of those persons. Put your nose back down, Mrs. Ellsworth. I want to get the show on the road. Yes, I'm a private detective. And I'm in a spot, too. The police think I'm connected with the case in some way, so I'm here for a double purpose. I'm listening, Miss Madison. Roger, I forbid you to speak with this... This woman... Too late, Mrs. Ellsworth. Now, this is it. I'm in this business to make money. Give me a check now for $300, and I'll find out who killed your brother. And I'll also clear myself. Roger, I'm warning you. Naturally. You want to see the killer of your brother brought to justice, don't you, Mr. Ellsworth? Don't you?
0: I... Yes. Yes. Here, I'll make a check out right now.
3: Thank you. Just make it out to Candy Mason, Payable today. The lovely collection of guns you have, Mr. Elton. You hunt much?
0: Mm. Oh, yes. Yes, my wife and I are quite fond of shooting. Uh, She's an excellent shot. Ah, There you are.
3: Thank you. I'll be in touch with you sometime tomorrow. (laughs) Mr. Eade didn't say a word. She just stood there against the fireplace and shot sparks through me. After I waved the check in the air a few times to dry the ink, she showed me to the door. Very clever, aren't you? taking advantage of a weak-willed man. I wonder who made him that way. Don't cash that check. I mean it. Don't cash that check. Mrs. Ellsworth, $300. I need the money, badly. I need some new rolls for my player piano. I buzzed back downtown. I wanted to cash that check in a hurry. I knew of only one person who would give me the crisp green at that hour of the night. Uncle Charlie, the honest miller who ran the chase room. Uncle Charlie, in the strict sense of the word, was a gentleman. So with a tender little pat on my cheek, he cashed the check and I went up Telegraph Hill and home. All of a sudden, my eyes did a couple of inverted loops. All <laughs> oh, my lights were on. <sighs> Who's in here? All right, speak up. Oh, Candy, the light of my
5: <laughs> life. Come join our
3: party. Oh, Rembrandt, you gave me a scare. You
5: don't scare
0: easy yeah. either, Candy. Got something on your mind?
3: And Mallard. Well, how ducky, a midnight soiree. What goes on here?
5: Well, that chicken you had in the icebox is delicious.
3: Was delicious. Looks like you've done everything but eat the bones.
5: Your vintage is superb too, Candy. Have a little formula? No,
3: no, no, come on, what gives?
0: That's my line, Candy. What gives? You're in on something, and I want to know about
3: it. Oh, Mellor, believe me, it, it's nothing. I, I'm, I'm just trying to parley a couple of hunches.
0: Tall hunches. Look at all those clippings on the South Sea Island Steamship Company. What are they for?
5: I meant to tell you, Candy. I had remarkable success down at the Chronicle. There's everything you want on that steamship line.
3: Oh, Rembrandt, did you have to tell the whole world?
5: Candy, you chide me unnecessarily. I merely had the clippings on the table when Hawkshaw here walks in on me. Okay, Candy, take it from there.
3: I can't tell you yet, Mallard. Nothing makes sense yet. I've got about four loose ends that need tying off.
0: I'd only put two men to following you. I'd save myself a lot of grief.
3: Two days, that's all, Mallard. Just give me two days. I think I'll have it for you.
0: All right. But don't forget, the boys down at Kearney Street headquarters don't love you the way I do. Two days. No more or less. I gotta go. Thanks for the foul,
5: chicken.
3: Ah, very gay. Here, Rembrandt, here's fifty dollars for you.
5: Fifty? My word. What's all this talk about a recession?
3: Go on and take it. Go someplace and stabilize the economy. I whipped through the old newspaper clipping. It was all there. Fire at sea on Ellsworth's ship. Two seamen lost off Ellsworth's ship near Honolulu. South Sea Island line ship loses rudder in storm. On and on it went over a period of three years. I threw the papers back on the table. Helped myself to some of Rembrandt's formula. Turned down the lights and went out on the porch. The day was dark except for an occasional path of light from a passing freighter. I sat down to think and think. Then, quick, quick, just like that, two little tumblers in my mind fell into place. Only one thing to do, and that was to do it the hard way. The next morning, just as the ferry building siren was announcing 8 o'clock to downtown San Francisco, I got Rembrandt on the phone.
5: Candy. What on earth are you calling me for at this
3: hour? Can't help it. There's work to be done. I
5: did my work last night so extremely well that I'm just going to bed now.
3: Sorry, you'll just have to delay your sack time. Meet me at the corner of Mason and Union in ten minutes, right where the cable car stops.
5: Now what are we going to do?
3: We're going to take a cable car ride. What?
5: One of those bouncing, jerky little contraptions?
3: Not the way I feel this morning. Oh, yes you are. Union and Mason in ten minutes. All right, Rembrandt, get on.
5: This is the silliest thing you've ever done, Candy.
3: Maybe. We'll see. Dwight Ellsworth was already on the car when I got on here. And alive. How
5: could you tell? He
3: mumbled something when I asked him to move over. Sounds
5: logical. Although I once remember stumbling into a corpse who mumbled for hours after it had been liquidated.
3: Mm, Rembrandt was in one of his rambling moods, so I let him alone. The car pulled over Mason Street, down Washington, and then swung on to Powell and up the hill. Now I watched the buildings and apartments carefully. It was a little red brick building, now a big apartment house, a woman's residence club, and so on. Then over the hill, more apartments, and the possibilities petered out of Bush. Well, only one thing to do. Canvas all those blocks between Washington and Bush. Okay, Rembrandt. Off the car. The
5: strangest corpse I ever did see. Uh, what do you say, Candy?
3: Off the car. Come on.
5: Now what? I just want to get to bed. Well,
3: not for a long time, Boy Blue. Now, here's the pitch. You take this building, and I'll take the next. We'll alternate as we go along. Ask if a tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria ever lived around here.
5: Oh, Candy.
3: I know it sounds wild, but it's got to be done. A
5: horse with a tall face and dressed something like... Oh,
3: Rembrandt, look at me. Get that smoke out of your brain. A tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria. You got it? Got it. Okay, get going. It was slow and tiresome. And the answers I got... A tall gal dressed like Queen Victoria... Oh, sister! That was about par.
6: Nope, nobody like that ever lived here. Are you positive? A dame who fits that description? Yeah, I'm positive.
3: The morning wore on, and so did we. We were over on the other side of California Street now, so we stopped and had a bite to eat. I had pickles with mine, and Rembrandt had olives on toothpicks in a glass. And again, we picked up the hunt. My heart was suddenly making with a rumba. There, just on the other side of Clay, in front of a three-story red brick house, was a police squad car. There was a little knot of people gathered around. Daintily lifting my crinoline, I did not Mel Patton down the block and up the front steps. I didn't have any trouble finding the room. The door was wide open, and there was a body on the floor. Four representatives of the law were buzzing back and forth. One of the buzzies was Mallard.
0: Well, my little ambassador of violence... Why is it you're always around the extremely dead, Candy?
3: I've got no time to brandy the ad-libs, Mallard. Who is it?
0: I don't know yet. No identification.
3: Let me see. (laughs) Oh,
0: a pen pal, maybe.
3: I was right. I knew it. Knew it? Knew what? You're right. He was a pen pal. He wrote me a check last night for $300. His name is Roger Ellsworth. Very interesting.
0: Very interesting. Must be open season on Ellsworth. Okay, Candy, time you filled in in the blanks. Start.
3: Wait a minute. I want to look at the window over here. Mm-hmm. Mallard, there are a couple of younger Ellsworths living around town here. I'm sure you'd like to see them stay healthy. Yeah? Get out to 25 a Road and pick up an old crone also named Ellsworth. Five will get you 20. She's the one you're after.
0: Ah, uh, all right. But you get back to your place and stay put, understand? I want to have a more illuminating chat
3: with you. Oh Mallard, I'm I'm just like putty in your hands. The moon was coming up over Diablo and spraying a path of silver on the bay. Still no mallard. I wondered what could be wrong. Well, this was it. This was the showdown.
5: Have you seen a tall face with a horsey woman?
3: Oh, Rembrandt. Andy, I'm so
5: mad at you I could. Uh... Oh, what's the use?
3: Now, what's the matter? What's
5: the matter, she says. I've been roving all over Powell Street, ringing doorbells. Where did you go, you traitor?
3: Oh, Rembrandt, I'm sorry. In, in the excitement, I forgot all about you. What
5: excitement?
3: There's been another murder. In
5: a moment, there's going to be another. I'm looking right at you, Candy.
3: Oh, cool off. Have some formula and stop snorting steam. <gasps> what was that?
5: Your window, Candy. It just shattered.
3: What? Oh, wait a minute. That window didn't shatter by itself. Quick, get the lights, Rembrandt. Now duck down here. What
5: sort of a silly game we playing now?
3: This isn't a game, believe me. Candy? Candy, are
5: you all right? Yikes, it's the gumshoe.
3: Yes, I'm all right. Where are you, Mallard?
0: Over here. Two houses over. We've got your girlfriend trapped on the roof next to you. Don't move and stay covered. Okay. All right, Mrs. Ellsworth. Are you coming down peacefully or do we have to play cops and robbers?
4: I'm not coming down until I get that candy match. She did it. She forced me to kill my own brother-in-law.
0: Have it your own way. Okay, loosen her up a bit, boys.
3: Better than the 4th of July. Keep your head down, Rembrandt. Oh, is that what was up?
0: Ready to come down, Mrs. Ellsworth? No,
4: I'm not. She's ruined my whole life, all my plans, just because of her snooping and crying. She's going to die, I tell you!
0: It was a miracle, Candy. You must have moved slightly just as she shot at you.
3: Well, it was too close, I can tell you. She's dead?
0: Oh, decidedly. I think she was dead before she hit the ground. That one shot got her. We went out to her house, and she was just driving off when we got there. We trailed her up to North Beach, lost her for a block, and then spotted a car at the top of the hill here. We arrived just as she was getting on the roof next door. Okay, now you tell me your little dream.
3: Well, it was that ship docking that set my wheels going around. The name Ellsworth started burning in back somewhere. Mm -hmm. You saw the clippings we dug up. The South Sea Island steamship lines were slowly being sabotaged. I did some checking, and I I found that the insurance companies weren't going to renew.
0: Yeah. I don't know why I didn't tie that in sooner.
3: Oh, it's just that you have too many things on your mind, (laughs) Mallard I went out to the place on Dashell Road, and when I left, I was pretty sure the old girl had knocked off her brother-in-law. Why? Well, for several reasons. One, she was a venomous old witch. Two, you've never seen such a collection of guns in all your life. And her husband admitted she was a darn good shot. I also saw one little pot gun that was very interesting. It had a silencer on it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. That was the one she used on you tonight.
3: And also the one she used on Dwight Ellsworth from the window of that apartment where you found her husband. How do you know? Go back there. You'll see a nice little bullet hole in the curtain with burned powder all around it.
0: Now, don't tell me that... Yes,
3: I'm telling you that she rented that place knowing that her brother-in-law always went downtown on a certain cable car. She waited that morning until we were riding by, and she plucked him. I
0: have now heard everything.
3: And the reason? Dwight Ellsworth, rather than fighting the insurance companies, had decided to sell his steamship line. But the old gal thought she'd beat him to the punch by knocking him off. The steamship company would then fall into her husband's hands.
0: Ah. Yeah. What about her husband?
3: Well, after he gave me the check and I left, they evidently had a fearful row, and she spilled the beans. Somehow, she lured him down to that place on Powell and gave him some lead poisoning, too. And that's all there is to it. Candy,
0: I wish you'd have told me all these things earlier. We might have been able to save the life of Roger Ellsworth.
3: No, it wouldn't do any good. Because if she hadn't killed him, I was going to. What? Mm Mm-hmm. While I was waiting for you to get here, the phone rang. It was Uncle Charlie, the Honest Miller. That no-good Roger Ellsworth. His check bounced like a brand-new golf ball. <laughs> What's so funny, Mallard?
0: <laughs> Listen in again to the further adventures of Candy Matson, Girl Sucker.
3: Well, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. In this case, nobody did, except Rembrandt. He'd stocked his darkroom with $50 worth of formula. And not the kind you use on negatives, either. Let's see. Murder on a cable car. Dwight and Roger Ellsworth done in, as well as the old gal. One check that bounced. It really does sound fantastic, doesn't it? But I told you this was radio, didn't I? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I did come out ahead at that. On the way out, Mallard leaned on me The first time it ever happened. You know, at times it, it's kind of fun to be in the arms of the law.
6: Listen again next week at the same time. For excitement and adventure, just dial
3: Candy Matson, Yukon 28209.
6: Heard tonight were Helen Cleve, Jack K. Hill, and Harry Bechtel, Jack Thomas as Rembrandt, and Henry Leff as Mallard. The program stars Natalie Masters as Candy and is written and produced by Monty Masters. This has been a presentation of NBC, the National Broadcasting Company.
0: That's Case Closed for this week. You can find more Candy Matson, The Crime Club, Case Closed, and everything else Relic Radio at the website, relicradio.com. If you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, you can do so through that website or visit donate.relicradio.com. Your support makes all of this happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed.